Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss anything just outside the norm, ranging from the bizarre and unexplained to the supernatural and paranormal and everything in between. I'm your host for tonight, Eric, joined by my fellow co-host, Sean. So for this episode, we've selected a pair of unsolved deaths that are particularly interesting to us. Yeah, these deaths were very dark and very interesting stories that we researched. Um, And we wanted to put out a special thank you to our listeners, Kailani and John, for suggesting these two unsolved deaths. I don't know about you, Sean, but these two deaths were particularly disturbing and kind of creepy to research. I mean, I know pretty much all of our stuff that we do episodes on is generally pretty creepy, but these two sent chills up my spine. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, death itself is a pretty interesting topic, and especially when someone dies in mysterious and potentially dark or disturbing ways, it kind of just adds to that morbid curiosity. And I think the two cases that we selected for this episode definitely have that going for them. Definitely, and definitely uh, unsolved cases and a bunch of potential theories to explain these deaths so i guess we'll get into all of that in just a little bit so uh i guess we can go ahead and get started all right so let's get started with our first unsolved death of the episode we'll be discussing the bizarre death of Alyssa lamb all right so this case is one of the more popular mysteries of the past couple years Um, in big part due to the strange footage of Alyssa taken shortly before her death that we'll go into later. Um, If you have not seen this footage, we highly recommend you give it a a watch while listening to this episode. Uh, It is definitely pretty creepy and adds further to the mystery surrounding this case. And we'll be sure to link the video on our website so you can check it out and follow along with us when we get to that part. Now let's get on to the actual case. So Alyssa Lamb was a college student at the University of British Columbia. And in January of 2013, she started what Lisa called her West Coast Tour, as she traveled down the coast in which she planned to make several stops to visit cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco. After visiting the San Diego Zoo, Elisa arrived in Los Angeles and checked into the Cecile Hotel on the 28th of January. Initially, she was actually in a shared room, but she was transferred to a solitary room after her roommates complained about her certain odd behaviors. Now, all throughout her West Coast journey, Elise had kept in constant daily contact with her parents. However, on January 31st, the day she was supposed to check out of her room at the Cecile, Elise's parents heard nothing from her and started to get a little bit worried. And this is where things really started to get strange in this case. So she went missing basically on the 31st when her parents uh, did not receive any texts or emails from her. And she was, I mean, gone for a couple days and weeks that no one really knew where she was or what was going on. It's like she just dropped off the face of the planet. Yeah, there was, there was a, a period of time between when she was, when she went missing and when she was initially found. So the story kind of starts in the Hotel Cecile in February of 2013 in Los Angeles. And some of the residents of the hotel had been complaining about the water pressure in their showers. The maintenance man, who is named Santiago Lopez, 
found the body of 21-year-old Elisa Lamb floating lifeless, naked, and face-up in one of the water tanks on the roof of the hotel. Yeah, and just reading up on how her body was found reminds me of the similar situation which we discussed in the death of Elfred and Nack in a previous episode, in which it's kind of similar, a custodian um, was just, you know, doing his job and checked a basement and found the body of Alfred Anak, who was badly burnt and dying. So it's just kind of weird of, you know, some person is just going about doing their business and they ended up finding a dead person. Yeah, so we're starting to see a bit of a trend here. So if you have a weak stomach or don't like finding dead bodies, probably best to avoid the custodial occupation. Very wise. Um, yeah. So Elisa was a young, fairly good-looking Asian young lady who was interested in art, classic novels, film noir, and modern architecture. So a very artsy individual. And again, she was a student at the University of British Columbia, and she had her own blog and uh, very active on the internet. And on her blog, she would post pictures of art and also describe kind of her struggles with depression and anxiety, um, similar to stuff we all experience on a daily basis. Yeah, she was pretty open, too, with her troubles um, when she was doing bad or when she was feeling okay. So Definitely. She, she definitely wore her emotions on the cuff of her sleeve, um, so to speak, and she was very open about them on the Internet. And the death was actually ruled an accidental drowning by the L.A. coroner. The parents of Lisa Lamb, David and Yina Lamb, would disagree with this ruling, um, and they actually filed a lawsuit against the hotel for wrongful negligence. And the trial was actually supposed to take place this very month. However, I haven't found anything about it yet. Yeah, I actually looked up the death record, and I don't know if this was a simple mistake or if there's anything to it, but it has, like, little check marks on, like, you know, cause of death. And, like, there was the, the first check mark is through, like, unknown cause. But then that is crossed out, and then accidental death is, is marked in there. So, I mean, I don't know if... Doctors performing the autopsy at first couldn't decide and then ended up just putting accidental drowning or if it was really just a simple mistake and they just checked the wrong box. But, I mean, that just, again, that just adds even further to the mystery of this case. Yeah, very interesting. So before we get into the details of the case, I guess first we should start with a little bit of discussion about the history of the Hotel Cecile. Uh, It has a very mysterious history itself, and this hotel provides a long – actually provided long-term housing for extremely low-income individuals, and it's been around since the 19th century. Yeah, the hotel definitely has a dark past to it. Uh, A number of people have actually committed suicide by jumping out of their room windows to their desk below. Um, A woman in her 20s named Pauline Auten jump up her ninth floor room after an intense argument with her husband, and on her way down, she had the misfortune of landing on a man named George Gianni, who was walking on the sidewalk, sidewalk below, and it just happened to kill both of them. Jeez. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's not just suicides, but several murders have taken place inside the hotel. Um, a woman named Goldie Osgood was found raped, stabbed, and strangled to death in her room in the 1960s. So, yeah, a lot of dark stuff. I mean, probably... Most infamous was 
that the hotel was the home to several serial killers, and the most well-known probably being Richard Ramirez. Most people probably know him as the Night Stalker. And Ramirez used this rundown hotel to basically just hide out as he went on killing sprees. Uh, he ended up killing, I think, 13 women. And it is reported that he just threw his bloody clothes into the hotel's back dumpster when he was done with his crime. So, And also Jack Unterweger, who I covered in my recent episode when I was discussing European serial killers, he happened to stay at the Hotel Cecil also while he was acting as a reporter for an Austrian magazine. And during his brief stay at the hotel, Unterweger would end up strangling three prostitutes. So definitely a lot of dark stuff going on. I mean, some people think that this hotel itself is some kind of beacon of evil spirits or some a host of some kind of dark energy. Uh, I don't know. I mean, whatever the cause, this hotel, this hotel has a pretty notorious reputation. I mean, even before the death of Elisa Lamb. Um, in fact, the hotel has recently rebranded itself as the Stay on Main Hotel. I'm guessing that's their way of trying to distance themselves from its spotty past and try to start over. Yeah, I thought it was interesting the amount of notoriety this hotel had received, um, even before Alyssa's death. Yeah. So it's like, you know, this is the third major case that's broken the news related to the Hotel Cecil. It's actually located near Skid Row, um, which I, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Skid Row. It's definitely not a place for young ladies, as Elisa Lamb was, but it's, it actually has the lar- one of the largest populations of homeless people in the entire United States. Yeah, I know that's one of a big mystery. Again, is people ask, like, why did she pick this hotel? I mean, she was traveling alone. There were nicer hotels, hotels that are around the same money, that were in decent parts of town. So it's kind of odd that she ended up at this hotel that does have such a dark and disturbing past. Yeah, so the the, mis- the mystery starts pretty early on in the story. So to get back to the death of Alyssa Lamb, not only was the water tank that she drowned in on top of the roof, um, and the only way to access it was via a f- one of multiple fire escapes or a locked and alarmed door to the roof. Not only this, but it was nearly 10 feet high, and you had to climb a ladder to get to it. And for somebody Alyssa's size, it'd be very difficult to lift the lid and actually get in. Yeah, and I mean, I've heard people make a big deal about how hard it is to get to the water tanks in the first place. Uh, But in the research process, I saw a video that someone posted online who actually kind of went to the hotel and retraced Elisa's last steps, and they basically just used the fire escape ladders to access the roof, so they just climbed right up there, no real security measures at all. So, I mean, so, <clears throat> so it's safe to assume that there definitely is a way that she got up there, but like you were saying, how she actually accessed the water tank by herself, I still have no clue. So if you're listening to the podcast at this point, go ahead and click the link on our page and we'll go ahead and talk you through what's going on in the video. So what makes this story truly bizarre and disturbing is the hotel surveillance video released by the police on February 13th, 2013, showing the footage of Elisa's peculiar and unexplained behavior immediately prior to her demise. The surveillance footage starts with Lamb getting on the elevator and stooping down 
unnecessarily low, in my opinion, to select the floor she wishes to reach. She stands there for a while while the doors to the elevator remain open. She then kind of skulkingly approaches the door and quickly pops her head out of the doors, whipping her head from side to side, and then pulls herself quickly back into the confines of the elevator, almost as if she's expecting something to attack her when she pokes her head out. Yeah, definitely. It's almost like when she initially steps out that she's kind of startled, and, you know, she's kind of stepping in and out, and just, I don't know if she just doesn't know why the elevator isn't actually closing, or if she's looking around for someone to come fix it, but it looks like she's kind of just annoyed and trying to almost making a little game of it. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. It, it, it's, it seems strange that the elevator isn't working, and it's almost like she's trying to just get it to work. Um, however, after this, things become slightly more sinister as she narrows her body and stands kind of flush against the wall of the elevator as if she's trying to be unseen almost, like she's hiding from somebody. Yeah. Then she takes one slow step into the corner of the elevator as if she's you know, hiding – and once again, she approaches the doors of the elevator and sheepishly steps out and again looks from side to side. Then her movements become kind of like robotic in a sense as she sort of mechanically like sidesteps and hops back inside the elevator and then out again. Yeah, it definitely is odd. She's just kind of walking around. Uh, then she you know, goes out of the elevator and is kind of waking, making these weird hand gestures. Like I don't almost look like she's almost dancing a little bit or yeah. just using her hands in a weird way. I, I, like, I don't know what's going on with her. Yeah. So, I mean, after that, she briefly kind of goes out of view of the surveillance camera and all you can see is a sliver of her side as she stands just outside the elevator and her hands go up to her head. Not really sure what she's doing. And, but then she steps back into the elevator, grabbing the sides of the door to kind of pull herself in and she once again stoops down to the buttons, and this time she's, like, kind of pressing all of them repeatedly. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know what she was expecting. I guess she was just trying to mash the buttons and hope that the elevator would finally close, or just trying to go in and out, trying to trigger some kind of sensor to just finally get this elevator to start working. Yeah, but then she steps out of the elevator again to her last position... And just kind of stands there, and then at this point, she kind of like creepily waves her hands around in the air slowly, almost as if she's like trying to cast a spell or some sort of incantation into the air. Yeah, definitely freaky. Like, that was probably like her hand movements are probably the weirdest part. I mean, I don't know if she's just trying to make the elevator work, uh, but yeah, definitely very strange just the way that she's. I mean, not only just moving around but just whatever she was doing with her hands and arms true and then the the weirdest part though to me is that once she finally gives up and actually leaves the elevator the doors pretty much immediately close after that so i mean that's definitely very strange um however once again i'd like to reference the video that i was talking about before about the guy who is retracing her last steps and he actually went to the exact same elevator and also pushed several floor buttons at the same time, and the doors also took a while to close. So I don't. It might just be it's just a faulty old elevator, or it just doesn't respond well when several buttons are pushed at one time. So I mean, it is possible that it's just an 
elevator malfunction, and there's really nothing very weird about it. Yeah, I could definitely see that being a, a possibility. Um, it just seems so strange to me that she gets in the elevator, and immediately after she steps out, the doors close. So it's it seems like there's something else going on here. Yeah, I mean, I've heard people who think that someone must have been outside the door and were hold, was holding the call button, and that was what was forcing the doors to stay open, and also it explained why Elisa was kind of looking around, like she was she thought someone was right outside the elevators. Um, so, I mean, that does sound like it could be a good reason. But, I mean, the problem I have with these statements that people have made is that from what I've gathered in my research... That in that hallway there were two elevators and the you know up and down call button was in between them, and so Elisa was in the right elevator, so the buttons would have been to her left. So basically, when she slips out of the elevator and then stands just to the left, she's basically effectively blocking or standing right up against the wall where these buttons are. So I just don't see how someone would be holding those buttons if she's like standing in the exact same spot and she's not seeing them or something. Exactly, and if she was, she would have somehow interacted with them more noticeably if she had just, like, stepped outside of the elevator. She wouldn't just be standing up against the wall with somebody else out there. You'd think she'd be interacting with them, facing them, talking to them. So it it seems, that theory seems a little bit far-fetched for me. Yeah, I mean, just the way that she's also kind of just looking left or right, I just don't see, and she doesn't really seem to be focusing on any one point. I don't really by that someone else was in that hallway so that's pretty much the gist of the story um there's definitely a few strange coincidences uh the main one is that there was a movie called dark waters and it was originally released in japan in the early 2000s and they remade a different version in america in 2005 starring jennifer Connolly. and the main character is named dahlia which just so happens to be the same name as Elizabeth Short, who is known as the Black Dahlia, and her gruesome murder has been linked to the Cecile Hotel earlier on, before the time of Elisa Lamb. And in this movie, it tells of a girl who also drowns in a rooftop water tank, similar in manner to that of Elisa Lamb. And it also involves a strange elevator scene towards the end of the movie, so yeah. kind of peculiar. And just the title itself, Dark Waters, because the, like we kind of mentioned earlier, guests at the hotel were complaining that the water coming out of the sink was dark and it was tasting bad. Um, exactly. During this time span that Alyssa's body was in the water tank. Yeah. So pretty strange coincidence there. It's almost like, because this movie happened before... Elisa Lamb died. So yeah. Although on the other hand, I just I think basically any movie that you make some kind of weird death, you can probably find some point in history where someone has died in a similar way. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just suppose. I just think it's simply a coincidence and nothing. I think it's all too coincidental in my opinion. So let's go ahead and discuss some of the various theories. There are a lot um, of them. There are a lot, and we'll kind of hit the high points and some of the more plausible theories. Um, but probably the most popular theory is that Lamb was murdered by either a hotel worker or a, a guest at the hotel. 
And this would kind of explain the footage in the elevator. Her behaviors seem as though she's trying to hide from someone. So, you know, maybe she's trying to hide from her assailant. However, others think her behavior looks more like she's playing around, which I can see. It seems like she's kind of being a little bit silly with her mannerisms. It could go either way for me. Yeah, it's like part creepy and part playful. Um, But yeah, definitely looks at times uh, during that elevator footage that she's kind of looking around the elevator, peeking outside... And, I mean, considering this footage was the last time that she was seen alive and the footage is taken pretty soon to her estimated death, you know, if in fact there is someone following or playing some kind of weird game with her, it seems likely that person would be her killer or at least had some kind of influence in her death. Um, The other thing that makes this theory sort of plausible is that the water tank was supposed to be only accessible to people through locked doors or a fire escape that a hotel guest would likely not be familiar with or not be interested in. So I, I hear what you were saying earlier, Sean, but you know it, it definitely seems likely that if one of the hotel workers, for example, or one of the long-term guests was going to murder her, that they would be familiar enough with how to access the rooftop water tank and that would be a good place to dump a body. So this one kind of makes sense. Um, it m- would make one think that someone familiar with the hotel must have forced her up there. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that the doors to the roof are uh, um, are alarmed. You know, I-, I would think that it would have to be, if someone actually did kill her, it would have to be either a hotel worker or someone who is very familiar with the hotel. Because, I mean, if you killed some woman or you're dragging her along, I figure you're not going to use the fire escapes. You know, you're not going to be dragging some woman up a ladder. So I figured you would have to use that stairway entrance to the roof. Um, And if you are doing that, then you would have to know either how to deactivate the security system or know when it's not set or alarmed so that they could bring Elisa to the roof that way. Exactly. So who more able to do that than a security worker at the hotel? So there's certainly a certain level of credence to this theory. Um, The other thing is that the water tank was positioned in a way that a small girl such as Lamb would have a lot of difficulty opening the door and getting in and then closing the door. However, if one did climb in and the door shut on its own or kind of like tipped over – and kind of trap somebody inside, it would probably be extremely difficult to lift the lid while simultaneously treading water. Because this was 10 feet deep, so you can't stand on the bottom and push the lid open. Yeah, I mean, even the treading water, because I think I heard like the, the tank was only like half or two-thirds full. So I mean, even if, if you jump down in it and you're treading water, you're not going to be able to reach up to the top. Exactly. So this kind of segues into the theory... Um, that her death was potentially self-induced, whether it be a suicide, intentional suicide, or an accident. So there was no evidence of foul play found on her autopsy, and there is numerous evidence to suggest that she was extremely depressed and bipolar. Um, So prior to her death, she was in a positive mood, as the report goes. However, she apparently lost her phone 
a few days prior to the event. And this may have contributed to her state of mind. I know, Sean, you were saying that she hadn't contacted her parents for a few days and she typically stayed in touch with them. So perhaps this kind of made her a little bit depressed. And then the other thing is that she spent a fair amount of time sharing her feelings on blogs and stuff online, you know, as people these days do. And this kind of coincides with the mental breakdown theory as maybe the loss of her cell phone could have contributed to her state of mind and caused her to have a meltdown, so to speak. Yeah, and remember, like we said earlier, is that she wasn't acting weird just on the day that she disappeared. She was pretty much acting a little bit odd, I'm guessing, from the time she checked into her hotel because, you know, she initially was sharing a room, but then her roommates thought she was acting weird or just in a way that they didn't want to be around, so they ended up getting her kicked out. So, I mean, this could have been something that was kind of ramping up several days leading to her death if she was having some kind of medical or some kind of mental um, issue. Yeah, also she was taking medications and some people say that I couldn't find exactly what medication she was taking, but some people say that what she was taking could cause hallucinations and psychosis. Uh, So perhaps this is another factor that could potentially contribute. My main theory is that it was intentional and it's been described by some to be grotesquely beautiful. So I can kind of see how that description fits the video it's it's slightly disturbing but artistic in a sense because it's such a mystery i mean it's definitely something you're going to be remembered by exactly i mean this is i mean it's years later but people are like a lot of people are still watching that video all the time and people are still talking about it like we are right now bingo so you know given her interest in art and her depression i mean what better way to get the attention that you're craving um, than to frame your own death as some sort of mysterious murder? And look at what happened. Now she's a total internet celebrity. I don't know. I mean it makes sense. And the other thing is that the elevator scene could have very easily been a prank. I mean it was just like the perfect angle to catch all of her bizarre behavior. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've read that there are apparently other security cameras, but none of them were actually active except for the elevator ones. So it's kind of hard to know if she was just was like doing this weird thing all throughout the hotel or if it was only for this elevator. Because I don't know. I don't think that she would know that only those only the elevator videos were working. True. Um, So, I mean, I it's kind of hard for me to bind to that. I mean, I I could see that. She might have had the potential to kill herself, but I think it was more to some kind of mental illness rather than her trying to attract attention to herself. Okay, all right, I can see that. One more common theory is that potentially drugs and or alcohol were involved, and this would make sense. Her behavior could definitely be described as a trip or a high or even a drunken stupor. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's when the first time I saw the video without really knowing the whole backstory, I just thought it was some drugged out girl, you know, right. doing some weird thing in an elevator. And it wasn't until later that I really looked into the story that, you know, I, all these other mysteries come into play. But I mean, yeah, if you show this video to a random person who has no idea, they'd probably think they're either on drugs or on alcohol or just something. 
Yes. But the thing is with Alyssa Lamb, she, A, didn't have a history of drug use at all. And B, the autopsy they did didn't show any traces of drugs or alcohol in her system. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, just from where I work at a toxicology lab, I can tell you that these type of screenings aren't 100% foolproof. I mean, there are always false negatives, false positives. Um, she could have been on a drug that wasn't on that certain panel that they were testing on. So, I mean, there are ways that she could have been on something that wouldn't have gotten picked up in their drug testing. That's true. That's true. I guess those are some of the more plausible explanations. Um, and there are a few more that are a little bit more far-fetched, however, nonetheless intriguing. So the first is that Alyssa Lamb actually died of tuberculosis. And some people think that if you have tuberculosis, it can cause you to have some strange behaviors. Now, tuberculosis is a an infection of the lungs. It's a respiratory infection. However, in the end stages, people can definitely present with altered mental status and confusion and strange behaviors. So some of the details regarding this theory are that the diagnostic test for tuberculosis is called the LAM ELISA, which is obviously an anagram for Elisa Lamb. It's it's her name, just in the reverse order. So, definitely a strange coincidence. Yeah, I mean, just yet another strange coincidence, just adding on to this case. Yeah, and there's a lot of strange coincidences, but you know, I don't see how <laughs> the name of a diagnostic test for TB would mean that she had TB. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's It's weird. Don't get me wrong, it's weird, but it doesn't really have a cause and effect relationship. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely really interesting just having that connection, but I guess kind of like what we're saying, I just think it's just uh, yet another strange coincidence to the case and doesn't have actual any actual bearing on her death. The other thing is that her death did take place around an area where TB had claimed many victims in the past. And also, it's thought that days after her death, there was a strain of TB that broke out among the homeless population in the area nearby, and the CDC had to come in and kind of, you know, contain the epidemic. I don't know. I think I don't think this is a very plausible explanation, but it's definitely strange. Definitely weird. Yeah, just another weird thing to attack onto this case, but like you were saying, I, I don't really understand this theory at all how it really affects her death so i'm not really on that side true the next potential explanation is regarding the illuminati and the illuminati definitely an interesting brotherhood um i've never been big on the illuminati i don't know too much about them except that some of our forefathers and some interesting historical figures have been members of the illuminati um, and this conspiracy theory actually runs pretty deep and has some strange connections to Elisa Lamb. So Elisa actually tweeted information shortly before her death regarding some military advances in technology and research. And it was actually about cloaking devices, which after researching, this is real life technology. And some people believe that 
she somehow knew too much information about this military technology. Never really understood this, though. I mean, I, I've I guess I've kind of researched the same things you have, and I've seen the tweet that she made and everything, but unless she was some kind of like deep undercover reporter or had some kind of deep connections, I don't know how she got this information. I mean, considering her blog is mostly just like fashion stuff. Why, <laughs> why is she also dealing with top secret military research ideas? That's true. But I mean, there's more details to it. Like along with this theory, someone discovered that it actually appears that the footage of Lamb in the elevator had been edited as the numbers of the timestamp actually changed by one digit, indicating that a whole minute of the footage would, was edited out. Um, so I guess this raises a question for me. Could this one minute have been a masked assailant who was actually caught on the security camera and then edited out? Yeah, I mean, that. Yeah, the missing time, definitely, just once again, just another weird thing. And, I mean, I guess it is, if there is some deep conspiracy and they took this young lady out and they had to edit... Although, it, if you're going to do that, why don't you just erase the footage instead of editing that one part out? True. Because, I mean, I mean it, if, like, since most of the security cameras in the elevator, I mean, in the hotel weren't working in the first place... I mean, just destroy that, and then the guys would be like, well, I guess those are busted now, too. And then there'd be no trace of her at all. That's true. I mean, by leaving the video, it definitely brought a lot of attention to the case. And subsequently, this theory regarding a masked assailant being on the footage. So, yeah, that makes sense. The final theory about her death is one of the more far-fetched, in my opinions. However... It's nonetheless popular, and we should discuss it. So this is kind of more along the supernatural lines that maybe there are some ghosts or demonic possessions involved. And some people think that the buttons she pushed in the elevator are of a particular sequence that corresponds to verses in the Bible, particularly in the book of John. And interestingly, all these verses are regarding water. So the thought is that the demon that possessed her was actually trying to convince her to climb into the water tank. I mean, it's definitely interesting. It's strange. But, but... yeah, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> it's, just, it's just really weird. I just... I don't know if I buy into that at all. I just think that she was just randomly pushing buttons... Uh, I know what you're saying. I mean, she she was doing like she was pushing buttons like two. You know, when she first came on, then she stepped out, then she came back on, was pushing more buttons. And I mean, I think you could make all sorts of things out of whatever combinations of buttons she has, and people just happen to find a theory they liked and kind of force this information onto it. Right. Uh, Another theory that's kind of along the supernatural realm is that. There is a particularly interesting game that was developed or discovered in Korea, and it's said to be one of the most dangerous games in the world. And it involves getting onto an elevator and pressing buttons in a particular series with specific steps along the lines that I'm not going to get into, but it's 
basically supposed to help you reach the other world. So you go to a particular floor, then the next floor, then the next, and then a woman is supposed to get on the elevator with you and you're supposed to say things or she says things to you and you're supposed to not look at her and not talk to her or yeah. she'll take your soul. Um, it's extremely creepy to read about. However, it's it seems like a bunch of bogus. Yeah. But it's, it's strange. It's, it does kind of relate to the story of Lisa Lamb. Like she's on this elevator pushing buttons and acting strangely. So it, it's relevant. Yeah, I mean definitely – and I'm just reading up on the – game itself it is kind of creepy that's kind of like a bloody mary or just something just kids like to do to scare themselves um i mean i don't know if i would play it i don't really believe it but just in case i don't want to be sent to another world (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah once again i think people just saw her do that was acting strange in an elevator and they happened to know this elevator game that's popular in korea and they just said oh she's trying to play this when in reality i think she's in reality, I think she was either scared or just playing around or she was having some kind of mental issue and she was just mashing buttons at random just trying to get the doors to close. True, true. So, uh, I mean, normally I guess we discuss which theories are the most likely, but I guess I want to know, Sean, what's your favorite theory? I mean, this is one of those cases where there are they're just – Basically, any theory that you can think of, it almost you can almost work it into this case. <laughs> yeah, They're just, definitely. I mean, I'm surprised that people aren't bringing aliens or lizard people into this. It's probably sure, out there somewhere. I'm, yeah, I'm sure you could bring that up, too. Um, I think most likely she was having some kind of either depression or bipolar episode, and she just somehow... You know, kind of out of her head for a while and ended up on that roof. I don't know how she got into the water tank um, just from looking pictures. I can see how she got into the roof, but I don't know how she actually got into the tank. But I think most likely she was acting alone. Um, barring that, I it's possible someone might have taken advantage and killed her or something. But there's just there's no motive or any other evidence at all. So exactly. it's hard to buy that. So I think that she it was... She drowned herself maybe by accident just due to some kind of mental illness. No, I agree. I think the evidence seems to point towards her either having a a mental psychotic break or a depressive episode where she decided to kill herself. I think that's the most likely explanation. However, the one that's most interesting to me is kind of the Illuminati conspiracy theory because just – I didn't offer all the details in this episode for the sake of time, but I, I highly encourage the listeners to go kind of, you know, look into this theory. It's it's pretty interesting. There's a bunch of strange things going on there. So do your own research and check it out. Yeah, definitely. So that pretty much wraps up the story of Elisa Lamb. Um, I think next, John, you are going to discuss uh, another interesting death slash murder slash disappearance. Yeah, something weird. We'll get, we'll get to the bottom of it. All right, so Alyssa Lamb is popular because it's basically just a few years old, so we're going to go way back in time and discuss the unsolved death of Edgar Allan Poe. Now, I'm way sure, back. Way back. Now, I'm sure most people are somewhat familiar with Edgar Allan Poe, or at least some of his more popular works. 
Um, I'll give just a brief background on Poe in case you don't remember who he was from school. So Poe was an American writer in the 1830s and 40s. He is best known for his short stories and poems, most of which are pretty dark and mysterious. Um, Some of his more popular stories that you may know include The Raven, The Black Cat, The Telltale Heart. Uh, My personal favorites are probably The Pit and the Pendulum and The Cask of Amontillado. Poe would become a very influential writer, um, helping establish detective fiction and science fiction in the works of literature. So just to give a quick backstory on Edgar Allan Poe as he grew up, he was born in Boston, but was soon orphaned after his mother died, and then his father soon abandoned him. Not only this, but he actually experienced the death of his first true love at 15 years old. And then later after, his foster mother died when he was 20 years old. And then again, his wife died at the age of 24. Now I know back in this time, death was not a foreign concept to people, but the man was basically surrounded by death his whole life. So that's enough to make anybody a little bit strange. Yeah, I mean, you you can definitely see where he was kind of pulling, I guess, aspects of his own life and and just the death that, all the deaths that he kind of grew up with into his works later on. So moving on, Poe moved to Richmond, Virginia when he was a little kid, and which is my hometown, and was raised by the Allen family. Now, Poe had somewhat of a troubled childhood and had a strained relationship with his new father figure, John Allen. Uh, a lot of the issues were financial troubles, and these, these would basically haunt him most of his life. So he briefly attended the University of Virginia, but he dropped out again due to financial problems. He tried a quick stint in the military, but he failed to make it as a West Point cadet. And then he finally dedicated himself to writing full-time. So for years, Poe would work as a writer and editor to several publications. And it's in 1845 that he published what is probably his most well-known work, The Raven. And that gained him pretty much instant recognition throughout the country. Although, interestingly enough, he was paid only $9 for this classic. And if you're wondering, that's around 200 bucks in modern money. So that's not exactly the kind of dough you want to rake in when you are writing what many people consider to be a masterpiece. Although I think his works were not really recognized to their full extent until after his death. Yeah, that's true. I guess, I mean, some were popular, but he wasn't the, I guess it was, like you said, after his death that really the whole scope of his work could be looked at. So, in the final years of his life, Poe was kind of known for his erratic behavior and heavy drinking, and up until the fall of 1849, where he would die under mysterious circumstances, and that's what we'll be discussing, so let's get into that part. Alright, so, Poe would be found on the streets of Baltimore, Maryland, on October 3rd, 1849. So, a Dr. J.E. Snodgrass, who is an acquaintance of Poe, received an urgent note that day from a man named Joseph Walker, stating, Dear Sir, there is a gentleman, rather the worse for wear, who goes under the cognomen of Edgar A. Poe, and who appears in great distress, and he says he is acquainted with you. He is in need of immediate assistance. So, supposedly, Walker found Poe, and he was just laying in a gutter. He was dressed strangely and was only semi-conscious, just kind of babbling on. And it's reported that the clothes that he was found in 
did not fit him at all, and people think that we weren't actually his own clothes. So this is already getting pretty strange. Yeah, it definitely knocks out some of the potentially plausible theories for his death, being that he was wearing clothes that A, didn't fit him, and B, didn't even belong to him. So that kind of knocks out some of the more likely explanations that we would use to describe such an event. So Poe was taken to a nearby hospital, and in the next few days he passed from delirium to unconsciousness, and he basically was just unable to give a clear account of what actually happened to him. Um, His doctor, Snodgrass, wrote later about Poe, saying his appearance was repulsive, with unkept hair, a haggard, unwashed face, and lusterless and vacant eyes. So strangely enough, several times he called out the name of Reynolds, though he was unable to clarify who this Reynolds character was, and whether he had a part in Poe's death or not, or it's just some delirious statement, was still unknown. And this kind of also reminds me of the Alfreda Nat case again, where she was just screaming out some random name. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking that myself when I was researching this. It definitely was reminiscent of Alfred and Nack. Um, so I don't really remember what our conclusion was about Alfred and Nack, but I mean, this definitely could be something that could happen if a patient is delirious. It's not that far-fetched for somebody to scream out the name of somebody in their distant past, somebody that they used to be friends with in their childhood. Um, it's it's not unheard of. Yeah, exactly. It's just impossible to know whether, like you were saying, he was having some kind of flashback memory or if he had a snap of clarity and was trying to scream out the name of whoever did this to him. It's just, we have no idea. So in the morning of October 7th, Edgar Allan Poe would pass away. It is reported that he stated his infamous last words, Lord, help my poor soul, shortly before dying. Now, his official cause of death was written as a congestion of the brain. So congestion of the brain, in modern terms, is basically just just brain swelling. Yeah, and, I mean, that was the cause of death. However, strangely enough... No autopsy was ever performed, and no extensive testing was done on the body. Also adding to the mystery even more, all of the medical records involving Poe's death, including his actual death certificate, would be lost sometime later on. Uh, So that just, you know, we don't even have all the details today since all those records were left, so we can only congestor. In one way, though, it is pretty fitting that for Edgar Allan Poe, who's this man who wrote So many detective stories, so many mystery stories to have died in such a way that people have been trying to investigate and figure it out, and even 150 years later, we're still talking about it. Again, kind of suspicious in my opinion for somebody similar to Alyssa Lamb, somebody who's so involved in art and literature, and in this case, dark noir and mysteries to kind of you know if you're gonna die why not go out with a bang and be remembered for all of time as a complete mystery that's true i mean it's definitely it it definitely adds to his reputation and his mystique that he died in this mysterious way yeah we're talking about it you know over a century later we're still trying to figure it out we're still talking about him Definitely. I mean, it definitely fits his personality and the type of person he was, so 
Who who wouldn't want to be remembered for all of time? Exactly. Good idea. Good point. All right, so that's the kind of the backstory. So let's get into the theories. I know when I was in school and was being taught about Poe and was reading his work, um, I was told that Poe drank himself to death. Uh, so I think this seems to be a pretty common-held idea about him. Uh, I can't remember if it was my teacher or whatever book I was reading in class that said that he died this way. Regardless, uh, as what happens occasionally in school, what I was taught was not actually the truth. Big surprise there. Everything they're teaching us in school is a complete lie. <laughs> Or at least some parts of it. So, I mean, this theory that Poe drank himself to death is a rumor mostly spread by one of his editors, um, who had also made several other false claims about Poe. So it is well known that Poe did have a drinking problem, and the thing is, though, he was actually, supposedly he was sober for several months leading up to his death, and he had also refused any alcohol during his stay in the hospital. So, I mean, though there are many who assume that this is what happened to him, I don't know if I really buy into this theory that he went on some kind of life-ending bender and just drank himself to death much at all. True, although this could offer a reasonable explanation for the brain swelling, because, um, you know, drinking can lead to electrolyte abnormalities. I know anybody that's had a night where they drank too much experienced some dehydration, and, you know, these electrolyte abnormalities can lead to fluid imbalances in the brain which could potentially somehow cause swelling so it's not entirely far-fetched to think that yeah and i guess there's always the i guess when you have an alcoholic or a drug addict um for you know if you know anybody like that you know there's always the danger that they could relapse at any time so, I mean, it is possible that he was sober and doing well, but then just something happened and he just, you know, went to town and just basically dragged himself to death on that day. Kind of leading off of that, if he didn't drink himself to death, maybe in this next theory it states that he died from alcohol withdrawal. That's definitely possible. Alcohol's the only substance that withdrawing from can actually cause your death. So, like opiates and cocaine if you're addicted to those and you can't obtain it then you'll be tortured for a few days but ultimately you won't die from withdrawing from those drugs but alcohol on the other hand will kill you um the the issue with this theory though is that doctors at the time would be very familiar with the symptoms of alcohol withdrawal and they would probably be pretty capable of recognizing and diagnosing this clinical phenomenon however this theory would also imply that he had recently been drinking heavily because the effects of alcohol withdrawal occur within a few days of your last drink so it's possible he's been you know battling this addiction Um, however his attending physician john moran actually published several articles and even a a book that refuted claims that poe had been drinking However, these accounts are said to be so kind of mixed up and mismatched that they, they're not really reliable. Yeah, it's when you take that, you have to kind of take his reports with a grain of salt because he did make kind of false claims on other things, so it's hard to know what exactly he was being truthful about. He's definitely a little bit biased. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so getting away from the alcohol theories, the next is basically that he just has some kind of medical issue. I mean, whether he had some kind of brain aneurysm or stroke or seizure, just something damaged his brain and, you know, caused him to just to be delirious and die in a few days afterwards. So, I mean, I guess this is always a possibility. However, this does not explain why the hell he was wearing someone else's clothes. Exactly. So up until this point, none of the theories have explained that particular fact. Unless he was drunk and, you know, decided to put on somebody else's clothes. I don't think that yeah. doesn't make sense. So the first few theories are pretty logical, but they leave out this one interesting fact. Exactly. So moving on from that, the next one is that he is, was just beaten to death and that the swelling of his brain probably was caused by some kind of head trauma that he received um, during this beating. So, I mean, what exactly causes beating? It's kind of open to interpretation. I know there are a couple theories of who beat him and why. Yeah, it actually wasn't until 1867 that this was the first theory that actually went in a different direction from the alcohol kind of thing. And some people even suggest that he had gone drinking with some friends, and since he had been a teetotaler for so long, having his first drink of champagne got him so blasted drunk that he just went stumbling through the streets, and a gang of ruffians decided to beat him out of his mind. So, I mean, I guess it's a possible theory. It, it's definitely been popular since the 19th century. Yeah, I guess it kind of adds in the alcohol that perhaps he didn't drink himself to death, but he drunk himself into a state where he would either pick a fight with somebody or do something that would cause some group of people to beat him up. And, I don't know, maybe they stripped him and beat him naked, and then he was stumbling on the streets and some guy gave him some extra clothes or something. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is definitely seems to encompass the entire story a little bit more. Yeah. Adding in a, yeah, adding in a few different, uh, directions there. So we have the beating. It's possible. Um, another theory that's kind of more modern, but people think that it actually holds some water is that Edgar Allan Poe died of rabies. So, doctors at the University of Maryland Medical Center theorized that Poe could have contracted rabies, possibly from one of his pet cats, and it, I mean, it seems pretty unlikely in this day and age, but I guess it was more common back then, and also rabies would account for his delirious state worsening as he neared death. Uh, of course, once again, this theory could not be proven, since for some reason there was no autopsy or testing performed on Poe. Yeah, it's definitely a little suspicious that there wasn't any real investigation done into his death. I mean, who knows what kind of financial resources they had at the time, but vaccines were not available during the time of Edgar Allan Poe. So it's it's definitely a likely explanation that he could have developed rabies. And rabies is a, an infection that definitely has some central nervous system effects and can cause people to act altered and present in very strange manners. Yes, I mean, that would definitely call... <clears throat> that would certainly be an answer as to why he was acting so strangely and was just 
basically in a delirious state for the few days he was in the hospital as he slowly died. Yeah, who knows? I mean, maybe he had the clothes in his apartment and he was so confused that he put on clothes that were too small and went out to the streets walking. And Who knows? It's possible. Yeah, Yeah, possible. All right, so the next and final theory that we're going to be talking about is one of the more, I guess, another recent theory, but I like it a lot, and it is called Cooping. So this rumor spread actually a few years after his death. Cooping is a form of voter fraud where the victim is drugged and forced to vote at various different locations before being left for dead. Yeah, basically, you know, they would just get some unwilling citizen and make them vote, and then they would come back out and they would make them change their clothes or put some disguises in the back end so they could vote. And basically, you had no choice. If you refused, that they would beat you. And some people did actually die from this, so definitely kind of scary. I mean, the idea of being forced to vote with your life on the line seems pretty far-fetched. But consider that the practices of the time is actually pretty plausible, since this was a semi-common tactic used. Um, So Poe was found on the street on an election day, so that kind of adds to it also. And that the building that he was found just outside acted as both a bar and a voting center. So, I mean, adding to the fact that Baltimore was quite known at that time for being violent and corrupt, and kind of all these pieces seem to fall into place. I mean... It explains the beating, like you know, the damage that he was taken, and you know why he was wearing someone else's clothes. Definitely, yeah. I mean, they they just simply put, they dressed him up to look like somebody else. That's why he was wearing those clothes. Definitely yeah. makes sense that this practice was definitely not uncommon at the time. So, a final depressing fact: Poe was a pretty depressing guy in general. However, the cat that he had that we mentioned earlier is actually a, a tortoiseshell cat, and it died shortly after Poe died, kind of unexplained. And it was thought to be because the cat could not live without its owner, Edgar Allan Poe. So I thought it would be pretty interesting if the rabies theory was true that the cat indirectly caused its own death by the death by causing the death of its owner. Yeah, the the problem though the problem with that is though, I figure someone would notice when a you know a cat or a pet is dying of rabies. So I think that if someone wrote down or just made some kind of record that this you know cat died of rabies and was like you know foaming and going crazy at the end, that it would add some credence. But just because I didn't hear any, I didn't find any research about people talking about Navy's pets dying of rabies. So that's another reason why I don't buy into that theory. That's true. That's that's an, uh, a, an excellent point. And at his funeral, only seven people actually showed up to attend. And many of us know he actually didn't reach his level of fame until after his death was when all of his poems became extremely popular. So, Yeah, I mean, as of now, people... Most people know Edgar Allan Poe, the name, they know some of his works, but like you said, at the time, he was, I mean, semi-well-known, but certainly not a celebrity or anything, so there wasn't going to be a wide, you know, a big group of grieving fans or anything when he died, but it is kind of sad that he, not even a dozen people, actually cared enough to go attend his funeral. 
It could possibly be related to the fact that the person that wrote his obituary was actually one of his competitors, and they wrote a loathing obituary that just lied about Edgar Allan Poe and basically smeared him after his death. And so that would potentially explain why there were so few people there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, basically just kicking this guy while he's down, he died in mysterious ways, and then after he's dead, his name is besmirched, and it, you know, takes decades and decades until people actually remember Poe for the guy he really was, other than what his competitors try to make him out to be. Yeah, so that pretty much wraps up our Mysterious Deaths episode. If you weren't depressed before you cut on this episode, hopefully... Or not hopefully, but I'm sure you probably are now, given that last one. Good job, Sean. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, everybody. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Strange Matters podcast. If you have any suggestions of other topics you would like us to talk about or would like to discuss what we talked about in this episode, please send your ideas or feedback to us at our email, strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can also comment, listen, and download all of our episodes at our website, strangematterspodcast.com. If you would like to follow us on social media, we have a Facebook page and Twitter. Also, if you happen to be listening to us on iTunes and enjoy the show, please leave us a rating or review. It does mean a lot to us to read those. And finally, if you have a few minutes to spare and would like to give us some feedback and help the show out, we have a listener survey going on. And we'll put those links onto this episode's post, or you could find it through our social media page. All right, so until the next episode of the Strange Matters podcast, take it easy, everyone. Have a good one.